If you are new to our church, uh, my name's Greg. If you've never met me, um, one of my roles here is unpacking the Bible so we can apply it into our everyday, mundane, ordinary life. Being a Christian is not somehow different from everyone else. Uh, we actually just live out a certain principle, and that is that God is alive, loves us, leads us, and teaches us how we should get through this life that he's given us. So I'm going to do that in a few minutes. I just want to tell you a little bit more about Alpha. So it starts um, Tuesday, so straight after Easter Monday, and you can ask any question about anything around life, meaning and purpose. And I'm just hoping Ty at the desk there, can you give me the thumbs up? You've got the Alpha video online? Oh, great. That's good. I'm going to show you a little video clip, but let me just introduce it this way. We start with some food. So at seven o'clock, you can either come straight from work, sit around tables, we have some meal, a meal together, and then we uh, watch a video clip. So you'll see a little bit of that in this little clip. And then we sit around in smaller groups and just have a conversation on what we think is the meaning of life. So if you've never explored, is there a God? You know, does, does, if, there, if there is a God, how does he relate to me? And what, what do I do with that information? Alpha is that space and there's no judgment. We don't correct you. you don't, we don't say you're wrong, we're right. It's just going on a journey, exploring what you think is the meaning to life. So just watch this short clip. It'll give you an idea. If you've never done Alpha, you can sign up today at the Hub after the service. Just uh, watch this clip. Thanks, guys. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions, like why am I here? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? Alpha is a place where you can be yourself. You can say what you think and challenge everything. No, no question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's. We are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith and meaning. So Alpha's been run on every continent on the planet. In fact, even in Antarctica, a Christian scientist was down there and he ran Alpha during winter when they were all locked away. Um, and over 35 million people globally have done Alpha. It's phenomenal. Um, and we want you to join in, so sign up. Now, let me ask you a question. When you look at yourself in the mirror, no clothes on, what comes into your head? Not 60 kilos, Right. Is I right there? Not 60 kilos. You're all thinking, where on earth is Greg going with this? Body image. I don't know what you think about your body, but here's sort of my premise today. As people that follow God, we dedicate our lives to following what God has to say. He has a lot to say about our physical body. And yet I wonder if we have a very weak image of bodies or physicality or even our own body image because of what the world tells us about what's important with the image of our bodies. And so today I'm going to talk about how do we get a strong body image. 
They're not, I'm not trying to tell you to run more, climb stairs, fast more, you know. We're serving sweets after the service, so, you know, but this is not, this is not a health talk. This is a talk about rewiring how we think about our physical features, stature, shape, size, all that sort of stuff. So you're glad you came to church today? You didn't, weren't expecting this, were you? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person you're sitting next to and tell them the best part of your physical features. All right, off you go. What's the best part of your physical feature? Be, be, be kind. Be generous. And if you're watching at home, you can do the same. What's the best part of your physical features? Dan, you're very vocal down there. You're very vocal. Oh, encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> Who's uncomfortable? <laughs> Here's the, the part of the challenge that we have is we are told so many things that we have a negative image of how we look. I mean, there would be people in this room, myself included, that's aspects of, our, of my physical features or yours where you're self-conscious about it. And that's because we live in a world that idealises unrealistic images all of the time. I mean, that's the Western culture, um, which really has its heritage in the ancient Greek world of looks, athleticism and intelligence. The Western culture is based on that. It's not a new concept. We've sort of almost perfected it. And in a digital age, it has its own sort of whole new push into our thinking, into our feelings and, and how we, we consider our physical bodies. Um, you know, I've had people tell me their legs are too short. Any people feel too short? You don't put your hand up, by the way. <laughs> too tall, too big. Does my, I don't know if I can say bum in church, but does my bum look, I've got one of those that has nothing. Right, Sue and I actually joke, I need some implants there because it's just bone. If I sit on, if we go to a cafe and I sit on a wooden chair, within five minutes I've got a sore backside because nothing is there except bone. Um, we, Sue's, Sue's sister was Down syndrome. You know, how do we deal with disability, disfigurement in the kingdom of church as Christians in God's kingdom? How do we consider and think about that? How do we interact or how do we live with a disease? Um, because there's a whole range of things about physicality in our bodies that we probably don't talk about as Christians, I don't think, enough. And as soon as we start, you know, someone, some bozo like me gets up and brings it up, we all feel uncomfortable because there's parts of ourselves we don't like. And part of that is because the world's told you you don't look good enough. You're not the right shape, you're not the right size, you eat too much cheese, like me. Any cheese fans? Oh, wow, we should be serving cheese after church one day. But we feel unhappy, we're dissatisfied because of our physical features. So I think there's a whole lot of reasons, which I've just briefly flagged, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a couple of them today. I encourage you to take some notes. I'm going to mention a number of verses. They'll come on the screen. Um, I haven't put the actual verse on the screen, just the reference, so I encourage you to write them down. If you're in one of our small groups, our connect groups, there will be a study guide available from this talk for this week as well. But all this sort of stuff, so media, disability, disfigurement, the effects of ageing, you know, all the marketing around that, you get rid of your lines and your wrinkles, 
you can have your teeth veneered or replaced, you can um, you know, have your laser faced, you can have your eyes lifted, your brow lifted, other things that are going south can get lifted. But that means we, we look at our physical bodies in a seriously distorted way. In fact, it's unbiblical, it's, it's not godly. God thinks very differently about our bodies, your physical body. And I know from the years that I've been living as a Christian, one of the things we focus on in Christianity, which is true, that is that God wants to save our souls. That's true. But what's also true, he's in the process of saving our physical bodies at the same time. And we don't hear about that, right? In the ancient world, they didn't teach that God was saving souls. That, that's a new concept that we often perpetuate. God is saving all of every aspect of who you are, your emotions, your thoughts, your physical body and your spirit and your soul. He's redeeming every aspect of your oneness or all the aspects that make you, you, you. And we don't, because we often think of spirituality as separate from our physical body, well, put it this way, you can't live without a physical body. You have no other option, right? So all the other aspects are important, but then so is your physical body because that's the way God has chosen for you and me all humans, to exist. We only experience life through our physical self. So go to the next slide for me, thanks. Unattainable, idealised images make us insecure. And we live in this Western digitalised culture that is throwing up images all the time that you and I can't attain. I mean, it might be hard to believe, but I don't look as good as Brad Pitt, right? <laughs> Or you don't look good as whoever you're, you know, the person that you think is the most beautiful or athletic or the one that has the shape or the features that you desire. And what happens is, now I've, I've, this is what I'm about to say on, on, from this slide that's on the screen or behind me, if you're watching online, comes from research. So people, psychologists who study the impact of all this physicality of perfection that we see, this idealised, unattainable images we get 24-7. What's the impact that it has on us, rest of the people that don't look like that <laughs> and could never actually get it? That's the problem, right? It's not achievable. Well, it's interesting. They say that when we see beauty, we've been hardwired in our culture to think that that equals success and happiness. You equate it naturally. You don't even think about it consciously, but you think that will, if you look like that person, you'll be much more happier and you'll be much more successful. It's embedded into our thinking process. Advertising is, the whole world of advertising is situated or stimulated around this concept and it's to, what it drives on is your insecurity, right? You're going to miss out if you don't buy McDonald's. You notice on, say, ads for hamburgers, you don't see much of a hamburger. What do you see? You have pe good-looking people having a lot of fun, right? Next time we watch a car commercial, you note how many times you see people having a great time or driving up the mountain and jumping off the thing and, you know. So it's actually based on creating an insecure response from you because that motivates you to actually go and get that product because it's telling you you'll be happier with it. But it's impacting the way you think about your physical self because... Well, how many disabled or disfigured people do we see doing advertisement? Or older people doing advertisement? None, maybe very little. So the ideal beauty image that, that is thrown up around us all the time is impossible to achieve. 
because it's not real, it's actually an illusion. So actually President Roosevelt said comparison is the thief of joy, which I threw in there, on, you can see behind me or on the screen. You know, we think that looks is going to give us something, but we compa- every time you watch an image or you meet someone that you think's better looking, you naturally compare yourself to that person or that image. But all the images we see on mass media, by it actually, what researchers have discovered, that part of your brain that lights up when you see someone that you think is really good looking, it bypasses your rational brain and motivates your emotional brain, your insecurity, if you like. And what we've really done as a culture is objectify beauty, that that's the goal. Um, I saw a doco recently where in Australia we have more cosmetic surgery going on than the US per capita and per dollar amount, um, which sort of shocked me. I, I thought they would be ahead of us. But it's amazing how we now want to change every aspect of ourselves because we're so dissatisfied all of the time. But it's unattainable. Let me give you some, some stats from the research I've looked up. 99% of the images you see in, in media for advertising have been retouched. So you don't think about this, but then what you see is no longer the real person. You're actually looking at binary code. As soon as they take away the lines, they thin the waist, they lighten the hair, they, whatever they do, it's actually a digital creation. It's not true. How can, you, how can you model your desire to look like something that's not real? We don't think about that. You're looking at an illusion. But, you know, you can get apps on your phone. I won't tell you, don't put your hand up if you use filters or I was going to do that. But, you know, you can, get, you can become what only a specialist used to do in retouching images. Now you can do it on your own phone and you have your phone on you 24-7. If you Put up, take a photo of your family or yourself, you want to put it up, you can retouch it like only a professional used to be able to do. So now it's in the hands of kids, teenagers, all of us can make this binary code and think it's true. It's an illusion. It's not the real person you're looking at. 80% of Australians have an active social media account. This was interesting because there's Aussie stats. You spend, as Aussies, an average of 6 hours and 13 minutes a day on the internet. Now, some of you think, I don't spend that amount of time. Well, then someone's making up for your lost time, right? (laughs) Someone's doing 12 hours a day, right? Two hours of that six is on social media. This is the recent stats for our country. Add that up, that's a whole five years of your lifetime. You'll spend five years on social media if you're the average Aussie. It's estimated today that children, this was really interesting for me, now being a grandparent, children see more idealised beauty images in one single day than what I saw in my whole first 18 years of life because of social media and phones and availability. Now, this is the kicker. Research tells us that the more time you spend online looking at those images, the more you become dissatisfied with yourself because you're comparing yourself to something that's unattainable and not real. We naturally want to look at beauty, that's normal, but it's the comparison to something that's an illusion and unattainable, we never tell ourselves that. I can never look like that. I'm not built that way. My body is not the same shape or the same size or my metabolism doesn't react the same way, I don't have the same looks. 
And you can try as much as you want or spend as much money to make yourself, you know, be, be operated on to look like something. But even that fades, right? So the whole thing is unattainable in the end. So researchers actually call social media, listen to this, envy amplifier. That's what psychologists who study this stuff call social media, an envy amplifier. It's a false belief, but it's building on your insecurity all the time. Why can't you just stop? You ever found yourself scrolling and you think, why am I doing Like, you know, you just have this moment of why am I scrolling, scrolling, scrolling? Well, guess what? Research also shows that because they know your brain lights up when you see a good image of someone that you think looks attractive, the reason you can't stop is it activates the same part of the brain that causes addiction. So whether you think of gambling, drinking, drugs, pornography, I mean, any form of addiction, that part of your brain, when you see a good image, it dopamine's released in your head. That's the same chemical that's released when you eat your favourite food. So some cheese or sweets after the service. Or when you're with someone you really love. That's how powerful that dopamine chemical is. But when you see an idealised, unrealistic image, that part of your brain goes boom. And that's why you literally get addicted to social media. You can't stop yourself. So here's here's the issue. When you like an image of someone that looks beautiful, the algorithms in the systems of all the social media platforms send you more images to like that look similar. And so researchers call it, you live in an echo chamber. You don't see normal people come up on your feed. You see the similar people that you've clicked like because the platform wants you to stay on their system as long as possible, right? So you're actually living, if you, if you practice social media by scrolling, liking, looking and searching for this sort of stuff, you live in echo chamber, it's not real. We can't look like that and it perpetuates your discontent and dissatisfaction in how you look. So here's some things I think the culture tells us about our bodies that are incorrect and I've got a couple of verses I'll mention. So here's a, the next slide. What, what does culture tell us about our physical bodies that I, I think are myths? Most of us, number one, is my body's a mistake. You ever felt that? No? My body is a mistake. Did God really get it right when he shaped me? Because I'm an odd shape, right? Or I have a funny look. Or, you know, I carry some disability or I've got disfigurement some way that I have to hide or cover. Did God really know what he was doing when he made us? And that leaves us feeling dissatisfied that we're not quite right. So not goes deeper than just how we think we look, but how we feel about all of ourselves, right, or every aspect of who we are. We feel like we're not quite right. I'm a mistake. We'll say that to ourselves, maybe verbally or maybe just in our heads, but we think we're a mistake that God didn't get it quite right. And we haven't been put together properly. You know, we desire to look like someone else. We can never measure up to what we see. That's the irony of this, right? You can't measure up to a carefully digitised, touched-up photo with a filter. It's not real. It's binary code. It's not a person anymore. But that's the images that our culture celebrates and idolises and puts in front of us all the time. Now, here's what I want you to... I'm thinking here. Your body may not be perfect, right? We all. I think everybody carries some sort of physical aspect of themselves that is either painful. So, you know, I have arthritis. 
causes me pain. But that does not mean that God doesn't love me the way I am. And I have to stop myself from being changed by the culture that's feeding me this information subversively or in a subliminal way. It's not going to come out and tell me these points, but that's really what it's doing every time I engage with these images. But in actual fact, my body's not perfect, neither is yours, but that's the one you've got, right? And with its imperfections, which I'm going to touch on in a moment, here's the issue. It's all part of God's creation, So you read Genesis 1 and 2, the creation account written by Moses, uh, revealed by God to Moses. When he writes it down, God forms humans out of the dust and then breathes life into the human. We're part of this creation. Now part of the issue is we live in a fallen creation, right? There is suffering. The creation did not live out what God expected That's why Jesus has come and at one day in the future, God will recreate the heavens and the earth and resurrect our bodies, right? The Bible teaches that he has a plan for your physical body. Even if you die before he comes again, your body will be resurrected to a new body, but it still has physical, it'll be a physical body, but it won't have the defects. But in the moment, we're living in this fallen creation part of time in history, if you like. In fact, Romans 8.22, Paul says, all of creation's groaning for this new birth of recreation. And that includes our physical selves, not just, you know, don't just think about earthquakes or tsunamis or global warming. That includes our physical bodies. They're not perfect. Uh, Sometimes the verse from King David gets mentioned, who, of course, he was not perfect, um, but he thanked God for creating him in a wonderful way. It's a mystery, this mystery element. How did God make humans? And Psalm 139, um, God talks about that. So God did not make a mistake when he chose to embody his creation in human flesh. That's you and me. There's no mistake there. may not be perfect as it is now, but that was intended. The second box I've got there is my body's not really me. So if you feel like you're a mistake... How many people now feel that I'm not really my body so I can alter it? I can change my physical self because they feel disconnected from how they look. So they sort of feel what happens because of all these idolised, unreal images that we see, it changes how we consider the rest of ourselves. We think the true self is in here, it's not out here. And so then if I think that, I can do anything with what's out here because it doesn't matter. But it does matter biblically. What you do with your body does matter, right? And I'm going to explain why in a few minutes. But the images we see when we look at ourselves, they don't compare to what we desire. This, this sort of sense or this feeling, this desire of I'm not really my physical body. Now, there's some truth to that. You're not just a physical body. I'm not teaching that. But that's an important part of who you are. I'm teaching that. Is not separate from who you are because that's how God made us all. So it's not the totality. Your physicality is not totality you, but it is definitely an important part of you all of the time. So, you know, I've got some scriptures um, when God created. I want you to listen. I'm going to read this to you because I got this from a researcher and it really made me think, a Christian researcher. Our bodies are part of our human calling from God. So imperfect as they are as now, as I've already mentioned, they don't totally represent all we are, so we're still soul and spirit. You know, we have feelings and thoughts and 
we're not just a physical body, but when we, we are more than just our physical bodies, but we're not just a physical body. So when God created man in the, in the beginning, when he created the heavens and the earth, listen to this. God did not create a soul called Adam and find some flesh to put it into. He did it the other way around. He created a body first and then he breathed into that body, which brought it to life. That, you know, that's our anthropology, which just it's a big fancy word that means your view of humanity. How did we get here and why are we here? We, we got here because God created Adam as a human and then breathed and made it come alive. He didn't create this spirit soul and then go, now where on earth am I going to put this thing? I've got, there's no container for this thing to live in. He did it the other way around. That change, right? Just hang on to that thought for a moment. Does that change your thinking about your physical body? So when God created Adam and, and Eve, it's not an arbitrary container that we live in. It's part of our representation of God as humans. We're made after his image, right? Um, just go back to the previous slide for me just for one moment. I just want to cover a couple of other things. Sometimes we feel our body is unacceptable to others. I'll come back to that anthropology one, by the way. We feel like, um, you know, when you get, anyone was teased or bullied at school for the way they looked. I mean, I was, right? You don't have to put your hands up. I'm not trying to shame anybody about your bodies. But we, we know what it's like. Remember, I had a, uh, one of the guys I was in a class with at primary school um, had a disfigured face and he only was born with one hand. So the, the other hand sort of came, well, the other arm came just to an end. Well, he got bullied and teased all the time in our classroom. And your teasing of how you look, particularly when you're younger, may not be as intense as his was, may have been. But that then shapes us to think, well, you know, how do other people feel about how I look, about my body? And so the fact is no one can make their body perfect, even though the culture wants to tell you that. We are all flawed in some degree in our appearance and shape and health and all the other stuff. This is why the gospel is good news to our human bodies, right? Because God has a plan for our bodies. So even though he, he made us as humans, he has a plan to redeem the fact that it's not working the way he originally planned because of our sinfulness, our fallenness, our selfishness. You know, the whole creation is disfigured, if you like. It's broken. It's not working properly as intended, but God has a plan to redeem all of creation, which includes our physical selves and us, and us as well. He's not just saving our souls. He's saving all of creation. So the gospel is good news for that, right? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says... God brought your body with a price through Jesus Christ. You're not your own. You were brought with a price. See, you might think other, you know, at the end of the day, what other people think about how you look, the only person you have to worry about is what God thinks about how you look. And he thought you were worth buying with his own life. Right? Regardless of any disease, disfigurement, any issue that you want to list as a fault in your physical self, God brought us with a price which is through his own son, Jesus Christ, because 
he's redeeming all of creation, including our physical self. You can rest in this truth that our, as Christians, our bodies belong to God, right? And the only person you have to worry about who thinks about how you look is him. And we know how he thinks because he's already saved us, which is open to any person to make a decision to follow Jesus for the rest of your life like we have, right? It's far easier to please God with how you look than anybody else on the planet, right? Because he's not attracted to you based on whether you look good or the right shape or the right weight of the right hair colour, the right eye. He's not, he's not photoshopping us, right? Jesus accepts us not because we're attractive but because he loves the creation he made and he's redeeming it to make it perfect. And the last one on this box here, we th- as we, particularly as we age, we think my body will never be as good. You know, going upstairs. Who struggles now going upstairs, us older people? I know, we're just uh, joking with Justin and Sue about going up the stairs here just before the service. One of the interesting things is, of course, um, in social media is that people, you know, you can look like your physical best no matter how age or what age you are. But, of course, that's not really true. You're just masking reality. You can't, you can't reject the signs of ageing, right? They tell you you can, but you can cover them up or alter them, but... We're all ageing. That's one of the things. We've all got common in this room, no matter how old or young we are, we're all ageing. No one can escape that. And so you may not be as strong or as fit as you once were. Um, but again, the gospel is good news for our bodies because when the re- full redemption of the kingdom of God is enforced on the planet, he'll redeem our physical bodies. They will be much better than they are today, no matter how old or young you are or how old you think you look. We, the best is yet to come with our physical self, right? So anthropology, go back to that slide, thank you. As I said, it's just a big word that means how you think about humans and why we're here, what's our life. And of course the prevailing worldview in our Western culture is that we're sort of a, we're a soul or a spirit stuck inside this physical self and we don't like the look of our physical self so we should express our true self somewhere else. So, you know, you can get piercings, tattoos, you can alter your face, you can straighten your nose, you can get the, you know, I've got this crease here, I can get a filler put in there and I get implants back here somewhere to fill it out, make me more comfortable when I sit down. And, you know, I can do all that, right? Because that's what the culture tells me is attainable. It's possible. If you can afford it and you're willing to go through the surgery, it's, it's possible. But it's not real. It's not the real me, right? So we've got this prevailing idea that because I don't like my physical self, my true self, which is sort of stuck, it's entombed in this physical body, has to be expressed some other way. And so my body's like a canvas I can do anything with. I can change and alter any aspect of my physical self if I think my real self's stuck in here somewhere and this physical thing's just getting in the way. But the biblical account, of course, is very different. Our anthropology as Christians, why we're here, and how do we get through this life, what's the purpose of life, is different, that God actually formed us on purpose in a human flesh and breathed life into it. And so this is not by accident, right? And if we think that our physical bodies, like God does, is important, then what we do with them and how we treat it matters. And again, I'm not, this is not a diet speech uh, or a physical fitness speech. I'm just trying to... I want you to have a stronger image of your body than what the culture has told you about yourself because it's weaker. You've got a very weak 
image of your body, if it's not filtered through what God has to say and you just accept what the society has been telling you since the day you were born about how you look. So this means that our society's view of what makes us human is actually inverted. It's upside down. It's incorrect. It's inside out. Right? Our physical self is important. It's not our total self, but it's made for a reason. And that reason is to do God's will. Right? And you can do evil. You, know, you can take your hands, take your words, take your actions. And you can either do right things or you can do wrong things. We're created. The reason we were created was to represent God in the rest of creation. Now, of course, most of the people on the planet who don't have a relationship with God don't understand that and they do things that are self-motivated. So whether they feel they can express themselves more, reject their physical looks, you know, they separate that. But as people who are in God's kingdom and are following God's life, then it doesn't matter what our skin colour looks like or what our shape looks like, we can be right or do right things regardless of how we look. It's got nothing to do with how we look. So if we can rewire our thinking or at least challenge it when we see movies or images or social media stuff and you, and you catch yourself thinking, oh, that person looks amazing, wish I looked like that, stop yourself and rewire your thoughts to what God has to say about our physical selves. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that our physical bodies aren't a part of pain or discomfort. They are. And again, that's part of the suffering or the, the fallenness of the, of the creation that we live in. So, you know, Sue's sister was Down syndrome. Some people live with, some, I know people in this room have, you have physical pain because of a dis, disease. We can suffer disfigurement or be born that way or be in an accident or there's a whole, the whole range of things that can change how we look. And, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for your body. One doesn't cancel out the other. But again, our culture tells us, well, if you're not happy, you know what, you should change it. Take control. Well, of course, it's unattainable in the end, though. And my hope is in what God's plan is for all of our physical selves than what our culture would tell us is going to save us. You looking better is not going to really change how you feel about yourself because those looks will fade anyway, right? I mean, you've seen docos of people get addicted to surgeries and facelifts and other things being lifted, they get addicted because it's unattainable. It's an illusion. But as Christians, our bodies are not accidental. Even if they are a source of frustration or pain, during this life right now, God has a better plan. And so again, I'm not glossing over that. This is a reality. God never tells us to ignore our physical selves or never tells us to deny what's happening in our physical bodies. If, that's, if you've ever heard those type of talks or sermons or read those type of books, they're wrong. God never tells us to deny our reality. But our hope goes far beyond our ability to, to manage or change our reality. Our hope is in a God who's in total control and has an ultimate plan that will be played out and our bodies are part of that plan. So I said before, without our physical bodies, you don't have the capacity to live. It's God's plan that you were in a physical body to experience him and to live your life for him, regardless of what you think of it. So let me finish with this. Uh, the last slide, thank you. What does God tell us? And I've sort of named them, but I thought I'd put them into a one little slide. 
and I'll just wrap it up uh, with this one. Now, remember our prem- my premise is I think we have a weak body image and our theme for the year is strong. How do we get strong within our discipleship of uh, living for God? And so I want to, you know, I think we have a weak body image because of all the cultural stuff. But I want you to leave here with a strong body image, regardless of what you have thought about how you look in your physical body, based on what God has said about his plan for our physical selves. So that's my challenge for us all today. So I've got one of the first box here that our bodies were made for God. So that changes our thinking, or should. The body, your body was not made for your self-gratification. God made your body for his purpose, your physical self. And of course, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's a whole issue going on in this early little church, sort of house church in Corinth, uh, which you can still visit today. It's a livable city in, in um, the Middle East, uh, Middle East, not the Middle East, I retract that. It's in the Mediterranean, uh, was what I was thinking. But uh, they're having a whole range of issues, including sexual immorality. And this is the context that Paul makes this point. So we're not talking about sex in and of itself, although that can be part of this conversation because what you do with your body matters. But what Paul's point is that your body is made by the Lord and listen to this. It says, by the power of God, the Lord raised Jesus from the dead and he will raise you also. Talking about your physical body. So... Our bodies are not made for us. They're actually made to do God's will and God's purpose. We don't do with our bodies anything we want. Some people do, but that's because they're, they're, they're living out this false belief they can attain to something that they can never actually get to. So therefore, I can't say that my physical actions or how I treat my body is separate from my discipleship as a Christian following God. I can't say that. Because my body was made for God and the Lord is for my body, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's not against our physical selves. And when you think you're too tall, too short, too big, too whatever, God is actually for your body and your body belongs to Him. The second thing I've got there, which is we could spend a month talking about this, our bodies are a temple for the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever, you ever driven past uh, I won't use a church so much just for the illustration, but if you drive past like a Hindu temple or a Buddhist temple and you, you, re, you sort of think of it as a temple. And of course, when Paul writes again in the same passage that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, he's using his cultural reference at the time, which was there was a temple in Jerusalem. And once a year, all the Jewish people from all around Israel had to go up to the temple to bring their offerings and sacrifice that an annual pilgrimage but the temple was where the presence or the spirit of God lived on earth if you're not aware 70 years after Jesus the Romans destroyed the temple they pulled it all down they went in with force and killed a whole lot of rebels that were rebelling against their empire and that included the destruction of the Jewish temple But here's the thing, we don't live, you know, if you go to Asia, for example, you see different temples all over the place. But in in Australia, it's very, you know, it's not, they're not as um, common. They're still around. But when when you look at a temple, the reason it's built 
is to put some sort of God in that building. When you think of the creation story, the very last thing God made when He created all things, so stars, heavens, was what? Humans, right? And what's the last thing He did? He breathed. The reason we're made is to house the presence or the Spirit of God. You're a temple. You may look in the mirror and say that to yourself tonight, right? You house the very presence of the living God if you follow Jesus. And the Bible's many verses tells us that when we, be, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, God puts His Spirit in us. So again, that should change our thinking, right? If I'm, if I'm housing the very Spirit of the Creator and Sustainer of all things, then how I treat my body, what I think about my body, should change from the rest of the culture of what it tells me. And there's some other verses there like Romans 8, 9, if you're taking notes tells us that our bodies belong to Christ and, he, and the Holy Spirit is living in us. It's not just the one verse. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. That the Holy Spirit in us is the guarantee of God's salvation. It's a seal, right? That's how we know we're really in God's family because the Spirit lives within us. And we know the Spirit speaks to us, it leads us, it guides us. We are a temple. One of the reasons there's no religious images in this building is we're the temple, not the building. Now, I know you might walk in here and you think, it's not much of a church. You know, you think of steeples and crucifixes and, you know, a whole range of other icons or images. But every time man tries to create a representation of the image of God, it brings God down and really is a reflection on what that human wants God to look like. And of course, the Bible says that Jesus, who is God, is the exact representation of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. If you want to know what God looks like, you don't build an idol and stick it in a building. You just look at Jesus. That's exactly what God looks like. Now, not physically, but who He is. So... We are, you know, a temple is a sacred space to house the Spirit of God, um, where God was worshipped, revered. And if you, in the Old Testament or in the old days before Jesus, if you went into the temple unclean, like sinful and, you know, no respect for what was in the building, you drop dead. Where the temple now? That's why there is no temple in Jerusalem anymore. And of course, the last two ones is God's redeeming our bodies. So those verses there, it says that we ourselves are the first fruits of the Spirit. So it's talking about when the church first started. So 2,000 years ago, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit onto the earth and the church began to form, people began to follow Jesus and His teachings, His way through life. It says we were the first of the Spirit. But we groan, this is what he says to that very first century church, we groan inwardly because we're eagerly waiting for our adoption as children of God and the redemption of our bodies. That's what he says, the redemption. People miss that bit. Now, if you don't know what the word redeem or redemption means, it means to restore or put back to the original condition and purpose that it was designed for. So, you know, when you... Uh, see someone take an old Holden and do it up. 
they're redeeming it. They're putting it back to the original condition. That's all that word means, right? That we are, re- God is going to redeem our bodies when He comes again. And this final point is our body's got to honour God. That's actually, the, that's the purpose of it. That's why we're different from all other creatures. From, you know, I saw a kangaroo jumping up my street the other day when I was walking my dog. My dog was very keen to chase it. Uh, but given he's only that big, I thought he'd probably get killed. So I had to hang on to him. But we're different from kangaroos or elephants or giraffes or ants or beetles or any other creature because they don't represent God. They're not created to do, to live or express God's right way. We are. And that's why God's put His Spirit in us is we not only are asked to do that, called to do that, but then He empowers us, gives us the ability to, to make right choices and to live the right way with our body. So what you do with your hands and how you speak, how you treat someone who's disabled or disfigured or in pain matters, right? It should change the way I don't know if you know the history of medicine, but a lot of what we see in the modern world came out of the church, out of Christians caring for the poor and the suffering and the dying. A lot of the hospital systems and practices come out of this idea, even though we live in a suffering world right now, God is for the body and we should be doing something about that. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? My purpose was to get you to rethink about how you see your own body. So Father God, out of all the words that have been spoken and, and your word, those verses that have been written down by the early church leaders, may they penetrate, cancel out the faulty thinking we have about our physical selves, how we, how we look, how we feel about ourselves, what we do, how we treat other people. May we have a strong body image that is in line with how you see our physical bodies. And Lord, we pray for the redemption of of all people, Lord. We think of Alpha coming up and those conversations and even conversations as a result of this talk this morning. Lord, may you be redeeming how we think about ourselves and may we filter it through what you say in your plan that is still yet to be fulfilled. And Lord, how we interact and treat other people that that are disabled or, or struggling in some way or in pain or suffering. Father, may your Holy Spirit that lives in us dictate how we think and feel about our physical bodies. Just while your eyes are closed and it's just privacy, there's nothing religious or spiritual necessarily about shutting your eyes. If you've never made a decision to investigate who God is, we've heard a little bit about today from my talk. And, you know, we we started by singing a few songs as as an expression of worship. When we did the, the biscuit and the juice, that's remembering that Jesus, who is God, came as a human. And because of all the wrong things that humans have done, God sent him to actually save and redeem us. He took the punishment or or really the justice is probably a better word. He he took the justice that, that God had to give because of the wrongness that we carry, the crookedness sometimes we carry in our lives. And following God is, 
all you do is make a decision to say, well, God, I want to, my life is not where it should be. And I, I think you're there. I, I want you to help me. And so I just pray right now, if that's you, you can make that choice. That's all of the rest of us here. That's how we became Christians. We just made a choice one day and then we started following it through with some actions like being part of a local church, helping to understand what the Bible is, getting involved with some other Christians that can explain to you things that you want to learn about who God is. So if that's you, just put your hand up and I'll I'll talk to you after the service. I've got a gift I want to give you that will help you understand who Jesus is. Father, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to anyone who is not sure if you're really there or not. We've made that decision. And Lord, we want to help others find what we have. Our life totally changed as a result of coming into relationship with you, God. So Father, I just pray, whether they're online or or they're in person here right now, that you would minister to them in Jesus' name.